0: Empire.
1: Triple Play Fantasy's basketball show with Doc Coach and Brass Damas
2: starts now. We welcome in a man who knows what's up. This NBA veteran played 10 years in the league for seven franchises where he scored 2,150 points. He was inducted into the Alabama Hall of Fame in 2015. The man who has a great golfing game and attire. The man who always orders the salmon at his favorite diner with a side of a lottery ticket. The reason I know that, him and I make bets and the loser treats the other. This man is so popular. He has people making face face fake Facebooks of him. We welcome in Ennis Watley. What's going on?
3: Not much, my friend. Eric, I call him the barber shop guy. We met at the barber shop. We've been friends every since. But uh thank you guys for having <laughs> me on.
2: Yeah, Ennis, you know, it's been a little while. How are you and your family doing? You know, I know that we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with COVID.
3: Yeah, everybody doing good. You know, um I guess trying to stay out of this heat wave, man, and just you know, just trying to stay safe, patient and waiting it out, you know.
2: Yeah, and uh, I can certainly tell that you haven't been skipping out on the gym looking jacked over there. I see the, the left bicep. But Ennis, what I like to do is start with the early years. Now, you played your high school ball at Phillips High School in Birmingham, Alabama, and you'd attend the University of Alabama where your two years were stellar. Your sophomore year, you averaged fifteen point two points per game. Six point nine assists, four rebounds. You were first team parade All American and Mister or Alabama Mister Basketball in nineteen eighty one. But I know that Brad had a question about how you grew up.
0: Yeah, hey Ennis, um, I'm curious. You know how how maturing in a civil rights era Alabama shaped your basketball career. You know, and and further, how did you experience? How did your experience as a kid affect where you decided to play college ball?
3: Well, Brad, it's something that uh really have have shaped my life you know uh, i'm from birmingham of course uh you know that but uh, i grew up uh my address was 1319 17th street north and in the, the march with the civil rights uh where the four girls uh end up being in in the bomb uh in, in dr king's situation uh was 16th street so i i grew up one street over from actually where it happened it was wow. it was, it was a lot of history man and um you know that's that's my hometown
0: was it tough growing up in that in that kind of time period or did it help shape you know where you went to college did you decide like i wanted to stay close to home or how did that work out for you
3: well you know uh like in the 60s in in that era that we was in you know especially for blacks at that time you know a lot of people a lot of black uh guys didn't go to the university of alabama at that time so right it, it definitely uh you know it shaped up real well but uh Period of time where you know just uncertainty and just you know from the history uh, background you know we have a lot of history uh, uh being in, uh, from Birmingham Alabama. Uh, actually, uh, my um, little short story: my my principal was Mr. Robinson, which where I went to school at at Martin Elementary, and um, we would see Mr. Robinson uh, in the hallway, and he kind of like would be crying a little bit, and we were like, oh. yeah, we didn't understand. We're like, well, what's what's wrong, Mr. Robinson? Uh, they were saying he was sad because his his daughter, Carol Robertson, one of the uh, girls that got in, up being in the bombing, he would cry every day, you know, that, you know, that, that anniversary would come around. So it really shaped, you know, a history and just knowing, just going to Martin elementary school and just living one street over, man. It's a lot of history, man. So it plays a a huge, important part in my life.
0: I imagine that definitely put basketball in perspective for you.
3: Yes, it does. Yeah.
0: Well, as you made
2: the right decision attending the University of Alabama. You were drafted by the Royals with the 13th pick in the 1983 NBA draft to the Kansas City Kings, but you'd actually never play for them as you were traded to the Bulls for Mark Olberding, which doesn't even sound like a real player. But I know James had a question about the draft process.
1: Yeah, so we've had a, quite a few professional players on telling us that uh, getting traded was something that helped them learn the business of the game. Uh, but so early in your career, I mean, before you even played a single NBA game, uh, all you kind of really knew was Alabama. You grew up there, you went to college there and you get your name called by the Kansas city Kings. And then on that night, you, the, you get sent to the bright lights of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, did that mess with your self-confidence and just kind of take us through how, you know, getting traded before you even played your, your first NBA game?
3: Well, you know, back then, uh, going to New York, uh, I guess they didn't invite a lot of people up at that time, you know. And uh, by me leaving out as a sophomore, you know, um, especially being from the University of Alabama, that was kind of like the cardinal sin. never do that. So I didn't I didn't want to go up in New York. Uh, and, and so I ended up staying, you know, with my agent in Houston uh, and, and just staying by the phone and everything. But I was so excited uh, to just be drafted. You know, I was like – you know, yeah. I'll shake my hand and say, "Oh, great! I got drafted." And they say, "Oh, by the way, you just been traded." So <laughs> it was a short lived uh, thing, but uh, it was just it was just good to be drafted, man. I, I, we can worry about the rest of the business aspect of it uh, uh, later. It, it's, it's, I found out a lot that that in being in the NBA, you know, you, you learn the the business aspect of it too. I, I could play basketball; that was not a problem. But the business aspect, I I, I learned a lot. You know.
1: Were you, were you excited or more nervous going to such a big city of Chicago?
3: Yeah, uh, um, excited and nervous uh, both because uh, just, you know, being drafted, man, and just going uh, lottery at that time, I didn't understand, you know, as a 20-year-old kid what lottery pick mean. Now I really understand uh, uh Uh, what it means and and just how fortunate and how blessed, you know, that I I was going lottery back in, you know, as a sophomore in 1983.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned that you could hoop and yeah, the stats backed it up because as a rookie, you fit in right away. You average eight and a half points, eight assists, two and a half rebounds, 1.5 steals starting 73 games. The next season would be different as the Bulls selected fellow, former McDonald's all American teammate, Michael Jordan in the 1984 draft. And I know Brad had a question about the team dynamic during this time.
0: I did. You know, you've mentioned that MJ was more wide eyed early on and he didn't really become the the win at all cost leader until later in his career. You know, how did other teammates feel about such a young guy coming in and being becoming the focal point of that team? You know, I know that was something that like a young LeBron had to fight through early on because he was just given the keys to the franchise while you know, they're veteran guys trying to feed their families while seeing their roles diminish. So how did your bulls team handle that?
3: Uh, rightfully So, uh, you know, cause he was one talented uh, guy. Um, just a little short history, man. Mike and I go, I always say Mike before we get to the MJ part. I know him as Michael Jordan first. Uh, we, we got so much history uh, together. Uh, we were uh, high school, McDonald's All-American. Uh, we, we was college All-Americans again. And even when, if you go back and I had the video, I actually sent it to you. When he got drafted, he mentioned my name that that we knew each other. But we really, you know, had a lot th- of history.
0: I think you were ranked. You were ranked higher than him, too, in, in high school, weren't you?
3: I mean, I, 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 a lot of people say I was before my time. Uh, I, I love the kid Charles Barkley and him. I, I got so many stories. We can go on and on and on, but I love the kid Charles Barkley and him. Uh, they really, all most of them kind of looked at me with the wide eyes because many saying I was before my time. But uh, at the time, he was a late bloomer. Uh that year, you had Adrian branch you had Anthony Jones, you had guys like that, Bill Martin at the small forward, Emmanuel Farris was ahead of him. But never forget uh Mike coming on at, at the five star camp and his, his career just, just just took off. But uh rightfully so he uh, he deserved all the things that he had because it, you know, I mean the guys like the goat, you know what I'm saying? Whoever could have seen all that coming, but but when when we were with the Bulls and I was there with Quinn. D- there and Mitchell Wiggins and, and you know they were two good guys, but we were not prepared uh getting ready to see anything like what Michael Jordan was getting ready to, to come and do for the Chicago Bulls. Well you you
1: matched up in college and then Alabama and North Carolina play and I think that uh he only had maybe eleven points.
3: Don't go there, you're trying to start it up now. I, but, hey, I was just saying. <laughs> But but he did. He actually uh like I said, we could this is a nice time, you know. We we good uh friends and, and, and jokes among each other. He was on the bus one time and saying that he had uh twenty-four points uh against us. So yeah, you know, I was very very low-keyed and kinda of shy, you would call. And I said, wait a minute, Mike, wait a minute, Mike. <laughs> Everybody said that. It was like, whoa, 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 He's getting ready to talk. I said, Yeah, no, nah. I said you may have had 11 on a, on a good day. I said, because we came out of Alabama, we played defense down, and everybody said, oh, snap. Shoot, Mike and told y'all, but uh, I had 11. I think, you know, Jimmy Black really beat us that game, and and, 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 and uh, I think it was Matt Brad Matt Doughty Daug- had 14, but he actually really only had 11 points in a, in our matchup the first time, okay?
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and I want to get back to the, the MJ thing, but you and I have talked about this in the past you said one of the things I wish I was a little bit more aggressive to understand the nature of the business. Is that something looking back where you, you wish that your career had played out differently, that you wish you had shot more? Um, Cause I'm going to, I'm going to ask you your career high
3: after this. I, um I, I never forget just being around conversation with Isaiah Thomas was having, you know, uh, like this close to him, I could hear him and he was uh, making a statement saying, if this guy understood about shooting, like, like, the business size that that, you know, when you're on a fast break, you pass five and you shoot five. I didn't understand that. I was like just a such a great ball handler. I was just getting the ball to everybody. But if I had to do it all over again, hindsight, I actually would have, you know, I would have got my my numbers like like they're doing today. If you average 10 points back then, I, I had everything else in place. I just did not shoot the ball. You know, uh, I, I came up as a scorer out of high school, averaged a lot of points, and I could shoot the ball. But being reluctant at times, I think it hurt my career. And if I had to do it all over again, I, I, I really would have, have shot the ball more. You know, because you had to do that then. Yeah.
2: Ennis, do you know your career high in points?
3: Uh, for in in the pros. Yep. I, I would say twenty. I, I believe twenty-one. I, I remember scoring twenty when 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 I when I when I did against either New York or uh, maybe I think maybe the New York and maybe against the Bulls. I may have, have reached either 20, uh, 21 points, I believe.
2: You're right. It was 21 points on December 27th, 1983 against wow. the Bulls. You had you had two rebounds, eight assists, three steals. You shot nine of 11 from two points. So hey, you're on the money with that. But Blackjack. I, I want to talk, <laughs> talk about what was mentioned in the last dance. And, you know, everybody's going to talk about what happened in the room. But I want to go back to where your journey with drugs began, which was long before that night. Kind of where did it start? How did you get involved? Kind of everything that led up to that point.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's, it's no, you know, uh, my, my story is pretty open. You know, I, my testimony, I go around the world. I, I'm, I'm, I've been cleaning from drugs for 32 years now. You know, and if you talk about doing hindsight, if, if I if I could do it over. Again, you know, uh, that's one thing that I I regret, you know, like from the drugs aspect, I believe it. I forfeit, you know, I'm not saying I would have made the Hall of Fame, but my career coming up to that point was definitely in line to where, you know, I'm saying I was a very promising God. And I I think uh, the drugs and alcohol at that time, being being very young and just you know immature at the time it, it really hurt my uh career i i can see that you know from the time uh, you know it, it's it's known in the last day when michael come up and he said that he was uh you know he came up in the room and and just you know he came in all his teammates were basically there you know i'm not sure who all was there and everything but uh i, I believe i was in there also too because i was at a point you know in my career that uh you know, that I was I was on drugs at the time and everything. And that's something that, you know, I, I regret and, and, and go around the world, you know, uh, to speak about what I was saying. He made a great decision by not going in the room because I think that's the difference between him being a Hall of Famer and, and me being a journeyman at the time and, and not fulfilling, you know, the, the, that, that part of the call on my life. Yeah.
2: yeah and, and the quote from it, he said. Quote, it was like things I've never seen in my life. You know, as a young kid, you got your lines over here, you got your weed smokers over here, you got your women over here. Was this something that was just an occasional thing for the Bulls? Was this something that just wrong place, wrong time he came?
3: Well, I, I can't speak for everybody else, but I can not speak for myself. I, I knew that, you know, in my hotel room, you know what I'm saying? Because it seemed like everybody should have been in their hotel room. And I always say, why is he running around, wandering around uh, in, in the lobby anyway? I, that, that's just an inside joke. But uh, I, I would say that, you know, <laughs> back in the early 80s, uh, you know, a lot of things, uh, you know, it, it, was, it, it was known at that time uh, that that uh, the NBA just see uh, most people, you know, uh, in that era had you know, had there was a lot of substance Bruce, going around. Let me speak about this on, on, on the team that I was on and everything.
2: And, and so you bring up an interesting point and not saying to to tell on anyone else. Do you think sure. that other teams were doing this and just because there wasn't a documentary and because before social media, we'll never find out about it?
0: Well,
3: I, I think that, you know, in, in the era period, you know, you, you got a lot younger than I was. But when I came up in the era in the 80s where we, we, we wasn't as advanced as it was now and they, all that kind of correlated together, you know, you had to. You know the drugs, you know alcohol, just just even the fans and different things like that. I, I think it's a period of time where where just people in America period was was, was going through it. We just happened to be uh, uh, athletes. We had to be uh, sports, and it was magnified probably even more. But it, it was it was a problem that was in in society. You know uh, uh, more than anything, and then when we just happened to be athletes, that got caught up. Yeah.
2: No, and, and I certainly appreciate you being honest and upfront about that. I know, you know, even though being 32 years sober, it sometimes might be a little bit of a sensitive subject. You'd play one more season with the Bulls before stints with the Cavs, Bullets, Spurs, Hawks, Clippers, Blazers, and sometime in the Philippines, Israel and Lithuania. And you chose to hang it up after your 1998 season. But I know coach wanted to ask about your experience playing overseas.
1: Yeah, uh, so you played professionally uh, in the Philippines for a, c- a couple years, and I know how much that country loves the game of basketball. Um, I'm sh- I'm sure you were looked at as an
3: idol over there. Yeah, yes. Yes, uh, the Philippines uh, as far as atmosphere-wise, I think one of the greatest atmosphere that i played the game of basketball. You probably won't be able to say to someone from America "Wow, I play like that in the Philippines, but uh, Lithuania and the Philippines to me had Two of the greatest atmosphere uh, to play the game, and uh, in the Philippines, I, I, uh, they told me I was going to play with a team called San Miguel. And if you know anything about San Miguel over in the Philippines, man, I, I mean, you talk about uh, fan support, man, it's crazy. We had we had between ten to fifteen thousand. I mean, when I say fans, these 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 fans were well, just just so wild. But one of the greatest times of my life, and just I, I had a great time in, in the Philippines.
1: Yeah. I can only imagine, like, because them as a culture, like, they're so good people. I know I've had a lot of uh, Filipino um, people uh, that I've worked with in the past, and I know I'm sure they love the game of basketball. You see Manny Pacquiao and how enthusiastic he is about the game. Um, and then you mentioned Lithuania, because I did want to talk about them as well, because it is their national sport. Most people don't know that. But uh, you spend a year in Israel, but then at age 35, your last professional year, you led the greatest success for the – BC Bulgaris winning the 1998 FIBA Sports Cup final. What does that international experience mean to you? And uh, knowing how much that team means to Lithuania, as uh, Sabonis played there, now now as a post partial honor, owner, would it feel being part of that in Lithuania, which is much different from the Philippines? They love the sport just the same.
3: Yeah, it was a great time in my life. Uh, you know, I, I knew my career. I, I, I had figured out that point. That was not going to be a superstar anymore but uh you know they were saying hey man we got this job in in in, in the philippines i mean in, in Lithuania, and it was like man i i kid you not this this team is like the the chicago bulls of of europe and i was like well what's the name of the team you know and it was like well you know uh being sabonis uh is it's his former team or a team that he's played called zowers and i was like wow but if, if I had to say atmosphere, man, I tell you I, some of the most talented ball players that I seen came through like the like that area of Lithuania and Lithuania, and that and the Balkan state in in Croatia, that area over there. There's so many great players over there. But uh, Zao was one of the uh, uh, best atmosphere and best teams that I that I played for. Their fan support was like like the Philippines. It's it's incredible, man. You you talk, you can't play in that atmosphere. I grew up. In the hood, and I grew up playing basketball all my life. But if if you couldn't play in that atmosphere, you couldn't play the game.
2: Yeah, and you know, post basketball, I, I like that it's still being recognized the impact you had at Alabama, even in those two years, because you were inducted into the Hall of Fame. I know you have some nice memorabilia. Facebook has showed me. I see it in the background. You've also done some public speaking for Inspire LLP. You mentioned you you know go around the world sharing your story. So. I think that's really awesome that you're just so open and vocal about the experiences you've had in life because you've, you've gone through a lot.
3: Yeah. My, uh, I will have to say in 87, I always share with guys, God's, uh, God's been good in my life. You know, and I always share uh, uh, passing my testimony on to most people. My mom died at 87. Uh, uh, my dad died kind of two months after she did, you know, and it was just a disruptive moment, uh, you know, in my life, you know, uh, my mom was my God. You know, I, when I turned professional at, at the University of Alabama, I wanted to give her a house. I wanted to do all those great things. And and when my mom passed away, I was like, "Wait a minute, God! It don't supposed to happen like this. She don't supposed to die." I thought I just got drafted and <laughs> all these things. But it really was a a, a disruptive moment in my life, uh, which changed my life, which started me on, uh, gave me the platform to be able to you know talk about my salvation and to just tell so many young kids that if you had to ask them a question uh how many people would love to play in the nba and they all raised their hand i was telling them, what are the chances that you would get a guy from birmingham alabama from 1319 17th street north and that i have literally touched all four corners of the face of this earth through the game of basketball and i just i don't think that i could be quiet about it I, i think that uh you know, God's been good to me. Uh, it's from the Michael Jordan to the Last Dance, man, I played with five of the greatest players to ever play that game. People always well, who are the five? Is I mean, you already know one of them is the goat, which is which is Michael Jordan, uh, Dominique Wilkins, Clyde Drexler, Larry Bird. Man, I had some of the greatest experience in my life. Man, uh, God's been good to me, uh, Eric, and I, I and you guys. I just I just I don't mind about sharing it. You know, that's why I'm so transparent about it.
2: Wow, you make me want to pick up a basketball right now and at age twenty-seven try to have an NBA <laughs> career. We're hey, speaking with.
3: I, I remember watching you play. Now you came and played with me now, and uh, you know, you're fast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the other two guys on the side of you. How good they? But, you know, but I always know. I, me and Eric Medichetta, we've been we've been good friends ever since. You know.
2: <laughs> yeah, and we won't talk about my basketball game because we're talking with Ennis Watley, ten-year NBA vet. And as we like to get our guests out of here with a little rapid fire, some this or that questions, you game.
3: Sure. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. Let's go.
2: All right. You might have not been asked some of these before. So the first one would you rather score 40 points in a game or get a triple double?
3: I would say triple double because the error that I'm from is is it's like we were true point guards, and and to me, giving assists is 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 what I live for today. I made a living out of.
2: It. Okay. Would you rather be able to play 10 different instruments or speak 10 different languages?
3: Uh, I probably had to say uh, 10 different languages.
2: Okay. I right, makes sense with all the traveling you did. Would you rather yeah, not be able to. Go ahead. Would you rather not be able to golf for a year or not go to your favorite diner for a year?
3: Now you mess with my emotions, Eric. You know, <laughs> but, but. If I, I have the itch real bad. I, I've had a drug addiction before, but if I can't golf man, uh you never know, forget a good friend of mine, George Gervin said young fella pick up those clubs. And ever since I picked up the golf clubs, man, I've been in love with the game, you know. That,
1: that's you ever, what I'm you ever been out with Mike uh
3: golfing? I, 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 I haven't I've been around any in, in, in Charles Barkley, we're we he's from Leeds, Alabama. I'm from Birmingham. But I hear uh, the stories about the guy, but I, I truly believe I can get both of those guys, man. Not not bragging or anything like that, but I I kind of work at my game. So I I, I said the next time that I see Mike, uh, that I was gonna challenge him to a game of golf. Uh, uh, Charles Bach, I believe I can beat in everything, you know. At least
2: yeah. can do. I do. I, I got you over Charles easy. <laughs> right. um, the next one: Would you rather be hungry no matter how much you eat, or tired no matter how much you sleep?
3: Yeah, Ty. I'd rather be (laughs) Ty, okay? All
2: right. All right. Would you rather be the best in the world at one thing or good at everything?
3: I I definitely would have to go with the one thing because I I believe that if you can master that one thing, I believe that you got a a story that you can tell, you know?
2: All right. And I know at this point in your life, it's probably golf for you. (laughs)
3: Well, you know, I, I, when I get to heaven, I want to play basketball because I still I still love playing. And uh, I done got old and slow and everything. But uh, all, all my friends say, is you are still trying to really dream? I said, I just love staying in shape. But if that one thing I could do, if I could play basketball when I get to heaven, I'm, 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 I'm good. I, I love it. I love working out. That's part all of right. what I really.
2: Yes. All right. Would you rather always hit a red light for the rest of your life or always get slow Internet after the sun goes down?
3: <laughs> uh give me the low internet okay <laughs> yeah. okay just all right he, <laughs> he got he
2: got he got places to go yes what is what is your favorite candy of all time
3: oh my god you say candy i, I like Reese cups when i was me little too. oh come on now come on don't tell me that i, I love Reese cups when i was real little we we should have to sell candy in order to get money in our class and i never forget eating up all the Reese's Cups because they were so good, man. But I love, I love Reese's Cups.
2: All right. Maybe that's the next thing we'll bet on is uh, is a big supply of Reese's Cups. Last two yes. here. Would you rather find $10 on the ground or find all of your missing socks?
3: Wow. Oh, my God. That's that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'll take the $10, you know, because I can buy some socks, you know. There, there you go.
2: go. There you go. That's the loophole. Okay. All right. The, la- the last one here. I leave you open for 10 three pointers. How many are you making?
3: Mm-hmm. I'm making if you know anything about my history, I always shot a good percentage because mm-hmm. I care about my percentage. I, I think I can make four of, 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 of ten. And on a good day, now that I understand to shoot the ball, because I've worked at my shot a lot, I think five will be a good percentage, but I would say four 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 out of four out of ten would I would make.
2: I mean four out of ten is, is good. I, I'll challenge you to that. Maybe next. Maybe next bet thing we'll do a three point shootout. But Ennis, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, you know, before we're done, is there anything that you want to promote to our audience? Anything you're working on? Where they can find you?
3: Yeah. Well, I, I just I'm really thankful for you guys having me on, man. I I, I count it as a privilege, man, to be fortunate enough to to be able to play uh, in the NBA for ten years, to to be able to travel the, uh, the whole uh, wide world. You know, I have two beautiful sons, man, and, and a beautiful wife, man, that God has blessed me with, man. Uh, I just uh, encourage everybody to just be patient, man, and just, you know, uh, uh, stay safe, get your shot, get 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 vaccine up, and everything, uh, and stay patient, and, and, and most of all, walk in love with each other, whether not you black, white, blue, or green, because without love, society uh, or race.
2: And make sure you follow him on Instagram. At Ennis Watley, it's his name.
3: Thank you so much, man. But I, I really appreciate you guys uh, having me. Eric's a good friend of mine, so uh, and he's so glad to meet you. And I, I love the bull, the Bulls gift. You know, we got we got to talk that nobody have, have 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 broke my assist record. Not Kobe White, not Rondo, not Derrick Rose. So that I thought I'll just put that little snippet in there, right? Quick, okay?
2: Yeah, I I did I did forget to mention Woo! that. I did see that on your stats.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys having me, man.